Hi, and thanks for listening to another audio podcast from Creekside Community Church, Narangba, Queensland. For more information and resources, please visit our website at www.creekside.org.au. Fantastic. Well, if you missed last week, we started a new series going through the book of Daniel, and today we're up to chapter 2, and I'd like to introduce our guest speaker today, Adrian Pretorius, a friend of ours from Mueller, and a teacher over there, connected to a number of people in our church, and he's here today to walk us through, to share us through God's Word as we look at chapter 2 of Daniel. So make him feel welcome. Thanks so much, Adrian. Well, good morning, Creekside. And what a blessing it is for me and my wife, Melinda, to be here this morning. I was so touched by the worship. Shania and the band, thank you for giving us that experience. Creekside, this morning I want to tell you that God's presence is here. And the Bible tells us that two or more are gathered. God is in our midst. And it was just so evident this morning as we listened and as we prayed and as we worshipped, as we spent time with him, connecting with him. And that was really precious. I really want to thank you for that. Thank you, Mr. Ginn, for such a... um, Great introduction. It's good to see a couple of friendly faces around. I just so happen to sit next to an old friend of mine, Grant. It's lovely to see you, Grant. Funny fact about Grant is he that actually gave me some really good relationship advice, which ended up in me marrying my wife. So thanks for that, Grant. Big shout out to you and your beautiful family. It's lovely to see you guys this morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Adrian, and I go to a little church which is just down the road. Um, actually. Kabulcha, or a little part of Kabulcha called Moodaloo. So uh, me and my wife attend a church there called Hope Point. And I've got a couple of pictures here that I want to show you just very briefly. And that over there is my wife Mel and myself. And as you can see, we haven't aged a day. That was probably 10 years ago. And uh, over here is my two little boys, real rascals, uh, Ethan and Matthias. And they keep me very busy. Between Mel and the kids working at Mueller and being involved with the young adults at Hope Point, life can get very busy. All that being said, I'm really humbled to be here this morning with an opportunity to share what I believe God has put on my heart for your community. And it's funny, as Shane was sharing a little bit earlier today, a lot of those words that he was sharing, a lot of the words that were spoken this morning earlier in our prayer meeting are some of the words that God has put on my heart for your community. And I really believe that God wants to lavish his love on you this morning. I really believe that God wants to remind you of his faithfulness and that he wants to bring you into a season of gratitude as we look at this book of Daniel. As you can see up the top there, we've got the heading for today's talk, which is Responding with Gratitude. Now, you've been looking at the book of Daniel, as Shane mentioned just before, and last week, I had a chat with Cain, he said that he spoke to you about chapter 1 and the plight of the Israelites, and today we're going to look at chapter 2. The thing about the book of Daniel is there's so many different messages and, and concepts that we can explore. It's such a rich book with so much for us to dig into, but one theme that is constant throughout this book is God's faithfulness and His sovereignty. In every situation that Daniel finds himself in, God is faithful to restore and faithful to intervene. And so if you've got your Bibles with you this morning, can you please turn with me to chapter 2 and we'll start at verse 1. I'll have it on the screen here as well if you don't have your Bible with you. Daniel 2, chapter 2, verse 1. In the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams. His mind was troubled, 
and he could not sleep. One thing that we need to recognize before we go any further here is that this man, Nebuchadnezzar, was a really powerful man. If you look up Nebuchadnezzar, the scholars will tell us that he was this warrior king because he had many exploits, both in leadership and in military. His kingdom was the kingdom that overthrew Jerusalem and tore down the Temple of Solomon. His kingdom defeated the Syrians, the Palestines, and the Israelites. But isn't it amazing the type of things that can trouble us? Here we have this powerful man with this powerful kingdom, yet he is brought low through a dream. Let us continue to read verse 2 and 3. There you've got a little Lego picture of uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. You can see he's pretty, crump, uh, pretty grumpy. But verse 2 and 3. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, sorcerers, and astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. When they came in and stood before him, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me, and I want to know what it means. In verse 4, we continue. Verse 4 to 6. Then the astrologers answered the king, May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream, and we will interpret it. And in verse 5 and 6, we see the king's response. The king replies to the astrologers, This is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into pieces of rubble or piles of rubble. But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honour. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Reading this passage of scripture, we can tell clearly that Nebuchadnezzar is quite disturbed by this dream. So much so that he would threaten his royal advisors in in a crazy way. He was threatening to cut them up and to destroy their whole families. I wonder how many of us respond in a way that's overreacting when difficult situations come our way. Now, I like to think of Australian people as pretty casual, pretty laid-back sort of people, but I think there's one area in particular that we can relate a little bit to Nebuchadnezzar, and that's whenever we get behind the wheel. Isn't it amazing to see the transformation in someone? You can have on someone who's so gentle and kind, but the moment they step in behind the wheel, it's like there's this transformation that occurs. You might be able to relate to that. I was uh, on my way to school a couple of weeks ago, and uh, driving in my Holden, Colorado, trying to merge onto the Bruce Highway, when I got cut off by this young lady um, driving a Holden Barina, and I had to slam on my brakes before I went ramming into the, the uh, barricade there, and luckily eventually got onto the road. But as I was slamming on my brakes, I turned to the side to have a look, and she had her side window down, and she was looking straight ahead, but without any uncertain terms, she held up a hand gesture to tell me exactly what she thought of me. Now, I'm going to leave it up to your imagination what that hand gesture was, but the point being is sometimes we can overreact, particularly in stressful situations. And we see that evident here in Nebuchadnezzar's response to this particular situation. Let's continue to read in this passage of chapter 2, on to verse 10 and 11. The astrologers answered the king, There's no one on earth who can do what you, king, have asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of their magicians or enchanters or astrologers. What the king is asking to do is too difficult. 
No one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. I wonder if you can catch the desperation in this situation. I can almost hear the voices of these astrologers, of these wise men as they rebuttal to the king. What you're asking us to do is impossible. And you know, occasionally in our life, we find these situations that we don't have the answer to. We find these situations in our life which just seem too difficult for us to navigate. And it seems impossible. It seems hopeless. You know, the thing about life, although beautiful and breathtaking, one of the things that I love is just to be able to sit out early mornings and look at the sunrise. For me, I really connect with God in nature because it just shouts out his majesty for me. There's nothing as beautiful as just being out in nature, spending time with God. But yet life can also throw us such heartache, such disappointment, such challenging situations that we don't know how to navigate. But being a follower of Jesus gives us a promise that in all things God works together for the those who love him, those who have been called according to his purposes. It's that hope that we have in those situations which can give us purpose, which can give us an opportunity to keep going. And it's clearly lacking in this situation for these astrologers and these wise men. I want to point out as well, if we look at the bottom of the verse there, we read again, no one can reveal it to the king except the gods, and they do not live among humans. Isn't it interesting to know that we know the very God who did live among humans, the very God who sent his son to be with us, to step into our experience, to be able to set us free, to be able to live among us. Just thought that was a very interesting choice of words there. You know, that's the same God. The God who sent his son is the same God who is in the business of turning the impossible situations into something that is possible. Our God, the God of Jacob, the God of Isaac, the God of Daniel, is the God is in the business of making the impossible possible. As we continue in the scripture, we look at verse 12, and here we, see, here we see that the king gets so furious with this response from the astrologers. He's put the challenge out there to them, and they've said it's impossible for us to do what you've asked us to, king. And, they res- and he responds by saying, okay, fine, if you're not going to do what I'm asking you to, I'm just going to kill you all. And he gets so furious that he orders the execution of all the wise men in Babylon, and we see that in verse 12. Now, what I really want to hone in this morning about is the response of Daniel in this situation. You know, when we look at Daniel's response to this life-threatening situation that's put before him, we can spend a number of talks actually investigating the different things that he does. But I want to summarize it really briefly for you this morning. Firstly, the king sends his head honcho, his executioner, out to round up all the wise men and kill them. And Daniel speaks to this wise man with tact and wisdom and asks him, well, why is it that the king has come up with this crazy idea? What's going on? And basically, he approaches the king and asks for a bit more time to actually work out what the dream was, and the king grants it to him. Then he gets his friends, he gets into a community, and I know Shane said earlier that you guys have these community groups, which I think is so excellent, time to spend with other people who believe to pray And he prays desperately with them. And we're going to pick it up here from verse 19 
to 23. Let's have a look. During the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision. Daniel praised the God of heaven and said, Praise be the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons, and he disposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we have asked you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. As I mentioned earlier this morning, I really believe that what God wants to do is develop in us a heart of gratitude. Isn't it amazing that when our perspective changes, when our outlook changes on the situations that we all face, it can give us an opportunity to respond in a different way than what we're used to. We can respond in a different way than what our heart is pulling us. Here we see Daniel responding with gratitude and thanksgiving. Now remember at this stage, Daniel has not yet approached the king. Daniel has not yet been acquitted of his death sentence, but what he has received is a vision from God. And that vision that God speaking into that circumstance and situation was enough for Daniel to stand firmly with faith that God was going to intervene. The mystery revealed by God through the vision was a deep, uh, something that developed a deep sense of gratitude in Daniel. Now this morning you might say, well, that's all good and fine for Daniel. But where was God and where is God in my situation? You might be here this morning and you might have questions about where is God in my financial struggles? Where is God in this health concern that I have? Where is God in this relationship issue I just can't seem to sort? I seem to be over my head and I can't handle it. Where is God? God spoke to Daniel. He was there and intervened. Where is God? And the thing is about loss and pain is it's got such a a way of gripping our hearts, something that strikes at the very core of who we are as people. There have been times in my life where pain and grief has stolen my attention. As a young man, my mother got diagnosed with cancer and within four months from the time that she was diagnosed, she passed away. About a year later, my grandmother Um, They found a tumour in her brain, and six months after that, she passed. Earlier last year, I had a friend who unfortunately passed from the same disease. And then earlier last week, we had a family meeting, an emergency family meeting, and we discovered that my mother-in-law, Mel's mum, has incurable lung cancer. It's in those moments, in those desperate moments, where we go, God, where are you in this situation? And you know, it's something that we can all relate to because life is not the way that it's meant to be. We live in a broken and fallen world. But let me premise what I'm about to say with this. Grief and pain are normal expressions. They are perfectly fine to experience those things in our lives. It hurts. When life kicks you in the gut, it hurts. But I believe that God is in the business of transforming our perspective, of redefining our perspective. And to illustrate 
my point this morning, what I want to do is tell you another little story. When we had our first child, um, we sort of decided, yeah, we want a child, and, and just almost like that, with a click of the fingers, um, we became pregnant, and we had a beautiful little boy, Ethan, and, and life was great, and then after a little while, we sort of prayed about it and decided, well, yeah, it's time for us to try again, and let's see if we can have another child, and it took a number of months of trying, and a lot of heartache and pain because we had a couple of miscarriages in between. There were a lot of sort of health concerns and issues going around with that. But eventually we became pregnant. And I just remember being so excited because even though we had this extended period where we were trying and nothing happened, God had provided. He had given us this little life that was growing inside of Mel's womb. And I was so excited at the prospect of having another little one running around the Batoyas household. But it was eight weeks before Matthias was born. Mel woke me up in the middle of the night saying, babe, there's something wrong. We've got to go down to the hospital. And, you know, it's still all just a bit of a blur in my head as I think about it. But we somehow ended up in the emergency. And, and just like that, little Matthias was born. And, you know, when he first came out, he was blue and, and, and lifeless. He wasn't responding. He was breathing really shallow. But he wasn't well. And it's funny the things you remember in those situations, in those moments of trauma, the things that stick in your mind. I still vividly remember the sound of the trolleys as they rolled in the machinery. I still remember the beeping of the, the machines as they hooked it up to his little, which appeared to be lifeless body, and the beeping, the terrible beeping noises that they made. Something sort of ingrained in my memory and in my heart. But, you know, as I stood there in the situation, it was just so surreal. It happened so, so quickly. I had this weirdest sensation. It's, it's really hard to describe to you. But as I stood there watching, something rose within my heart. And it wasn't from myself. I believe it was a gift from God. And I had a prayer. And the words were something along these lines. God, I thank you for this little boy that you've blessed us with. I thank you for my son. But God, I know he doesn't belong to me. He belongs to you. And if you want to take him, he's yours. And something happened in my heart at that moment. As I prayed that prayer, I suddenly had this great sense of peace. That regardless of what had happened or what would happen with little Matthias, that everything would be okay. And you can see there a picture just of him... I think that was Lady Salinta where they, they took little bub after we had the birth at Kabulcha. But there was this great sense that God would be in control, that he is sovereign, that he was faithful. And, and even if he did take Matthias, it was going to be okay. And you know, I realize that this morning there might be some of us who stood in that place where I stood. There might be some of us this morning who had that absolute horror of standing in a hospital room with your little one. And there might even be some of us who had our little ones go to our Heavenly Father. And my heart breaks for you. It really does. But here's the point that I want to make this morning. Our gratitude is not a result of the shift in our situation, but it's a result of a shift in our attitude. It's a result of a shift in our perspective. And I want to say it again because I think it's so important for us to understand this concept. That our gratitude is a result of a shift in our perspective, not necessarily a shift 
in our circumstance. And the truth of the matter is this, if our gratitude, if our praise of God depends on our circumstances, we will spend much of our life in self-pity. If my gratitude, if my praise of God is dictated by the life that I've lived so far and the situations that have come my way and continue to come my way, I would be an absolute mess. But it doesn't. Because you know that there is a hope for us. A hope that surpasses the temporary pain that we feel this morning. The hope that surpasses the situations that we find ourselves in. The ultimate truth is that we have a hope that allows us as Christians to, be, to, be, um, grat- to have grateful, a grateful attitude, to be grateful in the midst of every circumstance and situation. I love this scripture in the 1 Peter, verse 1 to 3, and we'll have a look at that. It's a scripture that put it so beautifully. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his mercy, he has caused us to be born again and live uh, to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power and being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last day. In this you rejoice, though for a little while, if necessary, you will be grieved or you have been grieved by various trials, so that it is tested the genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, that perishes though it is tested through fire, may be the result in praise and glory and honour at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And I just want to read once again, up the top, near verse 3. An inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. It's this revelation that there is a life after the life that we are living now. There's a life that God has prepared for us in advance. A life where there is no more pain. A life where there is a new body. A life where all our struggle and strife and the things that we go through today are done with. And we can access that life because of what Jesus has done in our lives. Because what Jesus has done on the cross. When Daniel received this revelation from God that everything was going to be okay, that God had spoken to him through a vision, he approached the throne of King Nebuchadnezzar with confidence. He boldly declared the the truth that God had revealed to him. He interpreted the, um, the king's dream, and he also told him what that dream was. And you know what the response was from King Nebuchadnezzar? Was to fall on his face before Daniel and give glory to the king of kings, the lord of lords, the God who could reveal the mystery of his dreams. And as I conclude this morning... I want to reiterate that Creekside this morning, now is the time for us to have a shift in perspective. Now is the time for us to be grateful for what God has done and continues to do in our lives. Now is the time for us to have that change of mind and to see what God is doing in the midst of our circumstances and what he has already done on the cross on our behalf. 
the practical application for us is this, that in every situation, regardless of how dour or dire those situations are, God gives us an opportunity to respond with gratitude. I want to pray with you this morning as I finish off. Father, I want to give you glory and honour that you are the God who sent your Son to die for our sins, that you are the God who is in the business of changing perspectives, that you are God who takes impossible situations and makes things possible. Father, I want to pray for every need at the moment in this community. God, there are people here who are struggling with sickness, people who are struggling with financial issues, relationship issues. God, you are the God who restores, the God who heals, the God who intervenes. Father, give us a heart of gratitude that we might be able to call out to you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the shaper of our heart, the perfecter of our faith. And won't you intervene, God? Won't you do something miraculous so that your name could be glorified? As in the case of Daniel, Lord, when King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face, you were the one who received the glory. We thank you for your love and your mercy. And God, for the hope, the hope that we have in the future, Lord, with no pain, with no struggle and no strife, in you. Amen.